You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome to the Rob Fay Nation podcast. Ooh, yeah. An extension of Rob Fay Nation Radio. A new way of enjoying sports. Yeah. Yeah. Each week, Vancouver-based sports brought to you from a different location. Please be warned. This podcast will be monitored by those looking to tear down. We will rise above with fresh content and a new perspective. Vancouver got the win that they wanted in the qualifying round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and all of a sudden, this city's heartbeat has gone threefold. I am Rob Fay, and welcome to Rob Fay Nation Podcast. This, in fact, is episode four, and thank you so much for everybody that is subscribed taking the time to share this on their social media platforms, and dare we say, even leave a review. This is why I wanted to do a podcast so that I could continue to interact with you. All right, we got a lot to get to. Vancouver Canucks, Minnesota Wild. You might be listening to this in a couple of days from the recording. Who knows what's going to happen in this series between Minnesota and Vancouver. As I record this, it is even one game apiece. Vancouver with a clunker in game one, but boy, did they fight in game two. And even though the walking wounded for the Vancouver Canucks are significant to say the least at least right now Vancouver can say that they've got a postseason victory for the first time in six years that is not all we are going to talk about on this podcast we've got a lot to get to Canadian Football League they've got a dance partner and it might be the one that ends up sinking them or at least putting them a little bit further down on the depth chart but the CFL might have a savior I'll get to that in a second but Rod Peterson one of the best podcasters one of the best broadcasters in Canada came out with a little bit of a segment regarding uh, MLSE and what they might be doing to drive the bus with the Canadian Football League. I'm going to play that audio for you because I think it is just too good to pass up and uh, ask for forgiveness later. Hopefully, Rod will be okay with me playing his audio. All right, so where do we start with this? Let's start with the Vancouver Canucks because the reality is that is all anybody in this city is talking about. Now, as you know, over the last couple of years, I have hosted a pair of shows on TSN 1040, both of them called Rob Fay Nation Radio. And there is no doubt that I can sit here and talk UFC, NFL, Major League Baseball, basketball, whatever, and it gets a smattering of applause, kind of like a par putter, dare we say a bogey effort. You talk hockey, and immediately you have six lines that light up. It's just the way that it is. It's Vancouver, it's hockey, it's sports radio. So imagine after everything that we've gone through in COVID with all of the shutting down of the sports and then the frustrating moments in sport where you wondered if the league was even going to get off the ground and some who didn't get off the ground to finally have the NBA back, Major League Baseball back and the NHL back is almost too much. It's almost too good to be true. And I think you got to realize as you pulled the lens a little bit back, all three of these sports so very different in their approach. All three different sports so different in the ways that the bodies can respond. I'm going to start with hockey because of the three that have returned in North America, and again, this is with all due respect to soccer and the MLS, I always feel like I've put them on the back burner. But for now, let me do please focus on hockey because... I would like to think right now that the NHL, after I said last week, got a 10 out of 10 on how they got through this COVID crisis and got back on the ice, is going to face their first non-COVID challenge. It is the only potential blemish. And what that is, players now having to play a catch-up. They're a step behind. You notice more often than not, and not just in this series, that the penalties that are getting called, it's a lot of hooking, it's a lot of grabbing. It shows you that there are certain players that got through this COVID 
and still can fire on all cylinders. And then there are some who are playing the catch-up game. I think of Antoine Roussel. Now, some would suggest that Antoine Roussel's lost a step well before coming back from the COVID situation. I don't think that we will see true Stanley Cup hockey until the second round. It's not just going to be the one game that gets you ready for the postseason. It's going to probably be a series of crashing and banging. And then by the time you get into the next round, the quote-unquote real Stanley Cup push, that's when you're going to see that hockey elevate. And it was funny because you think of what the preseason usually is for NHL teams. Six, eight games, somewhere in that range. That's essentially what we're going to have between the scrimmages, that one-off against the Winnipeg Jets, if you're talking about the Vancouver Canucks, to what we are now watching with the Minnesota Wild. I would imagine if the Canucks get through, by the time they get to Series 2, they will be a much different team from the one that we've seen in either Game 1 or 2 of this qualifying play-in series. So, what do you think? You can interact with me at any time. Hit me up at Rob Fay. Are the Stanley Cup playoffs right now, as we do this qualifying round, up to the standard of what an NHL playoff series should be? Because right now, there's no doubt about it. In Game 1, the Canucks looked rusty. They make adjustments. You know, I'll tell you one thing. Travis Green... I thought after game one, probably should have taken a sheet of ice and gotten to practice in. He chose to give his boys the day off. He wanted to give them a little video treatment, and they responded with a 4-3 victory. Yeah, it was getting a little nerve-wracking at the end, but they do pull off a victory that evens that series as, again, as I record this, at one game apiece. But I will say that I do think, in my estimation, if Vancouver gets through, it's going to be a far better series in the next round. Same thing if Minnesota gets through. And I think as the Stanley Cup playoffs progress, we're going to see how teams not just adapt to their pacing and their ability to play at 100% speed, but we're also going to talk about how they manage the officiating and all these kind of little laissez-faire penalties that are being called and, and, and almost a little bit frustrating to fans who are waiting to see that one final gear. But again, I would love to hear from you on social media. You can always hit me up at Rob Fay, which is R-O-B-F as in Frank A-I. Toronto gets through. At least they get their first win of the postseason as well. They've up their series with Columbus. Jake Muzzin, really awkward situation near the end of their game. It was a 3-0 victory. Leafs had that game at hand, and then all of a sudden, Muzzin goes down awkwardly. It looks like he's going to be okay, but boy, I'll tell you what. The one thing that I really noticed, and I think if you've seen the highlights, you would agree, is that when an injury of that magnitude takes place, you think of the guy upstairs that plays the music or the fans murmur that, of course, brings a little comfort as far as hearing the groans and moans and just the deafening silence at times when a situation like that occurs. It really struck me when Muzzin laid kind of motionless on the ice. For some reason, it was that moment that made me realize that the NHL is playing these games without fans because they've done such a good job. Camera angles, I know there's a couple out there that some of you guys don't like, but I just think that the television presentation and the radio presentation, for that matter, have been outstanding to this point. The other thing that I'll say before I get on to the other sports is that they had, what was it, nearly 3,000 COVID tests, and the NHL came back clean, knock on wood. Not one positive COVID test in either of the bubbles Again, Gary Bettman, I got to say, in 2020, is rolling with aces up his sleeve. Because if you think about what he did just to get the NHL back onto the ice, into the two proper hub cities, good for him on its own. But to also think that he was able to somehow fandangle an extension on the collective bargaining agreement, that is unbelievable on its own. Now, I know that's not a one-man show, but to think that he did it in the face of everything that pro sports is facing right now, Maybe I'm reiterating what I said on last week's podcast, but it is really something to think of what the NHL as a whole has been able to do in the face of some pretty severe adversity. 
Now, let's get on to some of the other sports because adversity is really starting to take its toll in Major League Baseball. Now, I'm going to take you down the fork of the road. To the left, you've got player injuries, and we're talking about pitching in particular. Shohei Atani, Justin Verlander, Roberto Osuna. We're talking about some pretty big names here that are on the shelf and look like they're going to be done for the year. Reason being is baseball is one of those sports, unlike hockey, where you can just use a couple of games so you get up to speed and you're ready to rock. Baseball needed an elongated spring training or a summer camp, as it was called, and it just didn't get it. And you're seeing some marquee players right now sidelined and sidelined for what looks to be the duration of the remaining portion of their schedule. What are we talking, 40, 45 games right now? That, for me, just screams that they tried to force this square peg into a round hole, and right now we're dealing with the repercussions. The other thing that I think is frustrating is as you watch the other sports, be it MLS or the NBA or, of course, hockey, baseball just looks like they did everything wrong. That it was forced from day one right to this conversation, and they just can't get right. And what makes it worse is the bickering that is now going on between minor league baseball and major league baseball. Now, this week, J.J. Cooper came out with a fantastic read, which was that minor league baseball basically had their negotiating committee taken out of their hands. So minor league baseball's president, Pat O'Connor, decided that baseball wasn't going in the right direction They've been negotiating with Major League Baseball for months, and they've been losing at every turn. So Pat O'Connor, in what looks to be a last-ditch effort, he's the president of Minor League Baseball, has decided to go rogue. He's decided to get rid of that previous negotiating committee and start from scratch. It is a Hail Mary at this point for Minor League Baseball, who again is now waiting to see if that clock expires on their current agreement with Major League Baseball. Because here's what I see happening. Major League Baseball is just going to wait out the contract that they have in place with Minor League Baseball. Then they're going to go to their cities and they're going to go to the different markets and they're going to build their own minor league system, taking out Minor League Baseball's head office altogether. They would rather run these minor league teams themselves. Then they can get into those markets. Then they can cut into the profits. Then they can make some money on the back end instead of essentially just giving these cities players, having everything run through Minor League Baseball and really not getting more than the occasional logo on a sleeve, which kind of makes sense. I mean, I hate to say it, and again, I'm not trying to align myself with the Vancouver Canadians here. I'm going to say this on my own accord. But when you think of what minor league baseball has been taking and living off of, which is major league baseball, the players, the revenues in certain regards, and all of a sudden, what does major league baseball get? Well, they get training grounds. They get opportunities for their players to get games in in different cities. But the return on investment, really, when you think about it, isn't that much. And then when you equivocate it to the last five years from a PR perspective where everybody is just hammering minor league baseball and their major league affiliates for underpaying minor league baseball players and giving them you know dire circumstances to play these games in every season, not making enough money, a living wage, what have you. Minor league baseball is probably thinking to themselves, you know what, we've got them on the ropes. Whereas major league baseball said, no, 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 no. You know what? If this is what we're going to have to go through, we'll just cut out the middleman and we'll take care of our players. And instead of having six, we might have three or four. We'll pay them more. We'll give them better facilities. We then reap the profits. We then have total control. And minor league baseball, you're on the outside looking in. And I think it really was a game of chicken between minor league baseball and themselves because major league baseball has always had the hammer because they've got the players They've got the final say, and it looks as if minor league baseball at the end of their current bargaining agreement is on their way out. Unless this new 
group of people can come in and somehow negotiate a deal with Major League Baseball. I don't see it happening. I see that contract expiring, and I see them moving on from many cities around North America. Now, of course, certain cities have some pretty big backing when it comes to politics. When you think about it, this is a year where votes count. This isn't just about Donald Trump and Joe Biden. There's a lot of governors. There's a lot of mayors. There's a lot of people right now that are looking for votes. And boy, wouldn't it be something if you could get on the train and start tugging at the heartstrings of those who want minor league baseball in their community. But I still think at this point, if you think about where everything is between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball, I can't see how they get something done in the next couple of months before that contract expires. Now, it is not the only pro sport that is having a contract that is on the verge of expiring. The Canadian Football League, is also on the verge of having their current contract expire. Rod Peterson has had his finger on the pulse of the Canadian Football League for years. One of the best voices in the industry, one of the most connected guys in the industry, and he came out with a two-minute spiel, I think it was just yesterday, and I'm going to play it for you because I just think what he said in two minutes completely dictates and looks completely accurate as to what should happen with the Canadian Football League over the next couple of months. This is what I believe is going to happen. There will be a cash influx into the Canadian Football League. It's not going to come from the federal government. It's not going to come from the National Football League. It's going to come from Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, MLSE. Now, a month ago, a football guy called me from the States. He's a former Argos employee, and he said, MLSE is running the CFL. Get used to it. And I didn't really grasp it at the time, Darren. And he said, you watch. You go back and look at any Argo home game and how many times you see Commissioner Randy Ambrosi in the MLSE suite at BMO Field. They're forming a partnership. And I'm actually believing this. The more when I'm putting two and two together, if there's no season in 2020 and nobody, not too many people think there will be, you know there's the clause in the CBA that says all contracts become null and void. Yep. So when we're talking about a financial reset, these bad contracts... For the CFL, they're great for Mike Riley and uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, but they'll become null and void. You're starting over. It's in the CBA. There's a lot of people in the league on the owners and governor's side that want to see this happen, the reset. And those top-heavy salaries that we talk about, you're going to start to see a lot of people jumping before they get pushed because they're seeing the writing on the wall. So all of a sudden, you're not firing people. You're not paying out severance. They jumped. When, when, when they go to be replaced, the salaries are going to be far less, maybe 50% of what they were. And when there is no season in 2020, you're going to see a wave of layoffs at every level, probably even in the head office. And when they come back, not as many will come back. And so while I said it's not going to be as painful as you think, it's going to be painful for some, but it's not going to be as hard as you think. MLSC will be wagging the dog here. They'll be infusing the cash. It's not going to be NFL Canada. MLSC understands the importance of Canada in the Canadian Football League. They get it. So if you were to, if this happens, I'm not guaranteeing anything, but I'm piecing everything together of what I, people mm-hmm. I talk to, how would you feel that if it was in a way corporately owned by MLSE, but nothing else changes? Not the rules, not the field dimensions, not the teams, not the ratio, nothing changes. Again, Rod Peterson with that audio. And you know what? The Canadian Football League right now, before I get into The Rock, a.k.a. Dwayne Johnson, and what they're going to do with the XFL, 
For me right now, the Canadian Football League is in dire straits. And the reason I say this, and this is not lack of patriotism, trust me, I understand what the Canadian Football League means to this country, to the communities that it's housed in, and I'm a big fan. For the first time in my life, I don't know if the CFL makes it to the other side of this tunnel. The reason I say that is... If it does, it's going to look a lot different. It's going to feel a lot different. And if MLSE ends up taking on a portion of this, the Canadian Football League might look a lot different. And I don't just mean in the cities, but in their whole approach to how they're going to make this work from a business operation. There's a lot at stake here. And a lot of people are wondering if the XFL has something to do with the future of the Canadian Football League. But, you know... I don't think that Dwayne Johnson is looking north with a solution to the XFL. I think Dwayne Johnson and the company that has purchased the XFL, which of course used to be Vince McMahon's baby, both incarnations of it, I think he gets it at a bargain deal of $15 million, and I think he's looking towards the NFL. I understand that the season's timing-wise are a little bit different, which I think actually benefits that course. And further to that, I genuinely believe that Dwayne Johnson is the right guy for this job. As mentioned, he's a guy that is connected in the football industry. He used to play both in the NCAA and, of course, a cup of coffee in the CFL. But he is also one of the most connected guys in Hollywood. He walks into a meeting looking for investors, looking for opportunity. I don't know if there's many other people in this business right now that are hotter than Dwayne Johnson that could get the revenue, that could get that interest in a flailing league. So... What if Dwayne Johnson was to simply turn around and say to the powers that be with the NFL, listen, we're not trying to compete, but we would love to help develop. We would love to make sure that we can get on your card, so to speak. And what I mean by card is they get involved with the NFL. They get the publicity, they get a little bit of the revenue share, they get into the TV deals, and they become a part of the Shield. I think this is one of those things where Dwayne Johnson and company buys in for $15 million, spend a couple of years growing this thing, and then flip it. I think this is not an investment of long-term for Dwayne Johnson. I can see him being involved with this for three to five years, and let's say he buys it for 15, he sells it for 85 or 185, or God, who knows in this day and age. This is nothing for me aside from getting interest in this, making it happen, maybe getting a couple of players, and moving onward. And somebody tweeted me, and boy, I apologize that I don't have my Twitter account right in front of me. Somebody said, you know what, if Dwayne Johnson was smart, the first thing that he would do is go and get Colin Kaepernick. Sign Kaepernick to the XFL, put him on a team, and get this party started. But here's the two things, because again, that would be optically a genius move. There is no doubt that if you had Colin Kaepernick in-house in an XFL uniform, that your ratings maybe not forever, but at least for the first couple of games would skyrocket. And heaven forbid, Cap shows that he could still play in the NFL. But again, Colin Kaepernick starting to get a little long in the tooth. And the other thing is right now, the XFL doesn't have any staff. When Vince McMahon went bankrupt, everybody got their pink slip. So to think that they would, if again, they're trying to do the timeline thing to what the XFL was in its previous incarnations, I just don't know how Dwayne Johnson and company, unless they went completely balls out to do this, can get their teams in those respective cities ready to go. Again, you got to think they're coming into some pretty big markets like Los Angeles, uh, Seattle, and I just don't know, especially with the measures that are in place right now across the states, across North America, when it comes to how many people you can put in their stadiums, I just don't know how they can get this done. I think this is a longer-term play. I think Dwayne Johnson's in it for the next three to five years. I think they will go all out to do everything that they can, but once they do, 
this is going to be a cash cow. I think Dwayne Johnson looks at this as an investment, and off they go. All right, let's circle back and talk a little bit more about the Vancouver Canucks, who, of course, right now in a series with the Minnesota Wild, have finally rejuvenated the excitement in this city when it comes to playoff hockey. One thing that I was thinking as I was watching game one, which of course was the clunker for the Vancouver Canucks, as I said, you know, all these young guys are making their playoff debuts. Everybody from Bo Horvat and right through to Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson and Brock Besser. And as cool as it is to see them, quote unquote, get that experience, it was a little tough to watch. And the reason that I say this is because they're playing these games in Edmonton in empty arenas. And yes, there's a couple of bells and whistles there, but it is nothing like walking out onto the ice in Vancouver with 18,000 and change. All those white towels and the music and the deafening tone of everybody screaming at the top of their lungs. And, you know, I just think to those who have been in this circumstance before, that being, of course, the playoffs, they get it. It's a part of their memory bank. You can never take it away. But there's a lot of players that are getting into the postseason for the first time. And unfortunately, as it stands right now, are missing out on that one big component. I mean, think about it from one of these games where maybe your team's down a goal or, you know, starting to try and put that charge. You're down 3-1, but then you get a goal that puts you within one, and now all of a sudden the crowd's going bananas, and that is just not even a part of the equation right now. And I don't know if that's really translated to us watching it on TV or listening to it on the radio because, again, I think right now what what radio and television are doing is really masking the negative. Even the odd sound effect, the goal horn, the stadium announcer, there are some things that they're doing to try to cover it up. But for a player that is actually there in the bubble, on the ice, fighting the corners, going to the dirty areas, it's tough not having that extra gear, which can at times, and if you talk to any player, they'll tell you, can come from the fans. And unfortunately, this time around, there are none to be had. But you know what? Better days are ahead, and I can't wait to see this same group walk out onto the ice at Rogers Arena and get greeted by 18,000 and change. Uh, you know, the other thing that I will say before I wrap up this podcast is I've really appreciated just watching what Canuck Twitter has been able to do over the last couple of months. And, you know, we keep talking about TSN and Sportsnet and how these hosts have had to adapt and how these hosts have had to really sit there and try to think outside of the box to keep us entertained, us who take time to listen, be it on podcast or listening to it in real time. But when I sit back, and, and again, I, I, I say this sparingly and I say this lovingly, there are a lot of podcasts right now in Vancouver's online landscape. And it used to be that we were just a handful of them. And I think this is obviously, in addition to the changing times globally and online, Jason Botchford had a lot to do with this as well. There's a lot of people that say, I got into this or I got interested in this because of Jason Botchford. And that legacy will live on for a long time. But one of the things that made Botch so good was his creativity to think outside the box, to put together a, a province that was, you know, really just creative. And I think that's one of the things that people to this conversation still miss the most about not having Jason Botchford in the here and now. But what I have watched from everybody socially, everybody from Chris Faber and David Quadrelli, what I've seen from a number of different guys that are just starting out, and then five ladies who this past week got their podcast going, the broadcast. I mean, that to me right there, not to single them out, but that is what putting together a podcast is all about perspective, creativity, and thinking outside of the box. I mean, I'm one of those guys where I can listen to the radio and be happy. I can click on a couple of podcasts and be happy. But I just like content, and I just like creativity. This podcast is 
as much for me as it is for you. I like talking sports. I like engaging with you. And I like maybe every once in a while just talking about more than just the Vancouver Canucks. I want to get out there and bring a couple of different perspectives. Sometimes a perspective from a different sport can link back to your own sport and, dare we say, give you a little more uh, depth, a little more perspective, not to use the word too many times. But I just have to say a massive, massive tip of the cap to everybody out there right now that is saying, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to do it, I'm going to go out there, I might not have the best microphone, and I might not have the best voice, and I don't know if my content's any different than anybody else, but you know what, I just want to go out there and do something that I think I'm passionate about, and I've listened, and not only have I heard podcasts, but the other thing that I've really appreciated is how each week it seems like the podcasts around are getting good. You got a couple of the bad guys out there that don't mind taking shots at people, but more than probably, what, 70-80%? of those who are doing podcasts right now are more about getting guests and having conversation and thinking of things. And you know what? Analytic doesn't always play good on a podcast. Sometimes conversation wins a day. But for me, just to be able to know that I can go onto Spotify or Google or iTunes or wherever I get podcasting from and really just have it almost an embarrassment of riches when it comes to all of these different options, that to me is very, very cool and something that I, I'm, I'm border proud of. I mean, I've been in this industry now for a little while, and I don't know if I resonate with the younger people that are listening. I don't know if I'm one of the quote-unquote cool kids, but again, it's more for just, you know, perspective to have maybe a different opinion. Heck, the baseball guy in Vancouver, he's talking about not just baseball, talking about hockey, football, basketball, what have you. So, if you're listening and you have a podcast, keep at it, and if you're not in the podcast game, but you like listening to podcasts, do me a solid. Not just for me, even if you don't do this. I'm okay with it for me personally, but make sure that you do this for other people. Follow them on Twitter. Subscribe to their podcast. Review their podcast. I love when I look at the rankings and I see a couple of local shows doing well against some of the big network ones. There's no doubt that Spittin' Chicklets and 31 Thoughts and, you know, all the usual suspects, the Bomba Cowan podcast, which is, again, still relatively new, they're still out there and they're always going to be near the top of the game just because of the name notoriety. But every once in a while, it's really cool when you see somebody like the Large Cast or the Broads Cast or somebody come out from, you know, Canucks Conversation and they all of a sudden find themselves in the top 10. That, to me, would make Botch proud. That, to me, is what I think this is all about. And again, I don't want to put words in anybody else's mouth, but I think it's a great time to be a Canuck fan, especially a great time to be a Canuck fan online. I look around to all the different podcasts and different Canadian markets. Nobody is doing what Vancouver is doing online right now. And again, I equivocate a lot of that to Jason Botchford and Jeff Patterson and Thomas Trance and all the people behind the scenes that are, again, giving us the excitement about this hockey team to go out there and actually turn this microphone on and do a podcast of our own. All right, enough of me up on my soapbox. Next week, guests. What, you say? It's been two weeks without any guests. Don't worry. Next week, I have decided that I want to go. I was going to do it this week, but then everything with the playoffs starting, I didn't want to start beating down people's doors. I thought, we'll get Minnesota and Vancouver going. But next week, by hell or high water, I've got a couple of people that I want to bring on that I think are going to be very cool. And I'm not going to tell you who they are just in case all of a sudden they got to pull out. But if these two come through, it will be must-listen-to podcasting. And hopefully this one was as well. My thanks to you for checking out. Please do me a solid if you could. And again, I'm not going to try and do this every week. But as we just get started, I want to make sure that you know 
that by subscribing to this podcast, by reviewing this podcast and sharing the link so that other people can hear this podcast, it's the best way that you and I can grow this together. Again, Rob Fay Nation Podcast, the division of Rob Fay Nation Radio. I will say this. I've been saving it right for the end. Expect Rob Fay Nation Radio in the very, very near future. I'm Rob Fay. I hope you have a great week. My thanks to Jay Swing, everybody behind the scenes, helping me get this thing up and running. And uh, until we do this again next Wednesday, go Canucks. I'm going to say this next one very quietly, very quickly. Go Leafs and have yourself a fantastic week and be safe.